Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Today I'm going to refer to a number of things, including what I left off with yesterday, concerning the long timeline, the long game of the communists and the fascists and the Islamo-fascists, in particular in this regard to communist Chinese regime and the totalitarian Putin regime in Russia, when there are monstrous, horrendous crimes committed, whether they are committed against individuals or committed against families or committed against peoples, people groups and peoples in nations and across national boundaries. It is so common for good people, decent people, kind people, loving people people who desire and seek in their lives to enjoy life, but so importantly, to provide a better life for their children and their grandchildren than they have experienced, than they have enjoyed, than they have known. It is so common for people such as those, such as you, such as myself, to respond by saying, well, that can't be. Okay, that doesn't make any sense. That's illogical. People don't act like that. People don't behave like that. What is the motivation? There's got to be a motivation. Watch any murder mystery, whether it is a comedic one or whether it is a tragic one or a drama of some form or other. And always there's this matter of what is the motivation? There has to be motivation because people don't just randomly seek to slaughter and destroy other people. People just don't act like that. They don't behave like that. We have to find a motivation, or obviously they haven't done it. Nothing could be further from the truth. But we can't understand. In the Bible, it says, the evil hate the good and seek to destroy them. The evil hate the good and seek to destroy them. Furthermore, it states that the good are abomination to the evil, even as the evil are abomination to the good. And we find this with Islamofascism. Christians and Jews are abomination to them. They consider them infidels. They've been carefully taught and trained and drilled and brainwashed Only wash is the wrong term. (laughs) 
but indoctrinated to hate Christians and Jews. Why? Because Muhammad and his God, Satan, Allah, targeted Christianity and its predecessor, Jewry, for destruction, for annihilation, because Satan has this endless war against God and God's people, seeking to overthrow God and take God's place. To make it very simple, that is it in a nutshell. But how many times have you seen accounts of terrible, monstrous, heinous, vicious, sadistic crimes, whether committed by so-called serial rapists, serial murderers, or by heinous regimes such as the Kim's communist regime in North Korea, or back to Uncle Joe, Joseph Stalin, Soviet Union, or to Idi Amin in Uganda, or Pol Pot with the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia, or Fidel Castro and his brother Raul in Cuba. And the list goes on and on and on. These evil ones who commit monstrous, hideous crimes, the Yasser Arafats of the world, They do not think like we think. They are not made like we're made. Ted Bundy and Gary Gilmore and Drew Peterson and Scott Peterson and countless others who destroy beautiful, wonderful, darling daughters of God, if you will, for the enjoyment of doing so. So I'm going to share some information with regard to self-preservation. And these tips were not compiled by me. They have been edited by me. They are available on one of my websites at afterallissaidanddone.media under vitally important information. But before I go through those, let me just mention one of myriad accounts of these monstrous, vicious attacks uh, so often committed against girls, young women, and women, but usually focused between the ages of 10 and 30. And when the victims are older than that, it's typically that those women, even though they are beyond 30, they look 
younger than they are. This young woman, 27 years old, she worked for Google in New York City. Her name, Vanessa Marcotte. Lived and worked in New York. However, she was in Massachusetts visiting her mother. And as her want was, she went out for a run. A run in Princeton, Massachusetts, a small town about 40 miles west of Boston. So west of Boston, 40 miles, an hour west of Boston. Well, gee, that's away from inner city crime, right? So she goes out for a run by herself. What a wise thing for a lovely young woman to do. And she was attacked by Angelo Colin Ortiz, who is being arraigned, on assault with intent to rape and other charges. He murdered her, but he's not being charged with murder. This is very common. If you will look at these accounts, you will find this to be the case over and over and over and over again. Oh, it's too hard to get a conviction of murder, so they won't even try. Or, instead of murder one, they'll go for murder two. Instead of murder two, go for murder three. Instead of murder three, go for manslaughter. Go for assault. Go for attempted murder. Whatever it is, there's all of this continual pressure to plead the crimes down. It happens before the plea bargaining phase. This lovely young woman was viciously murdered. She fought back and DNA was taken from her hands, which helped solve the case. So this dear young woman, she is no more treated as a disposable object by this fellow who is a resident. They, it was interesting. They said that he's a Wasta, Wasta, Massachusetts resident. They didn't bother to say whether he's a citizen, whether he's a naturalized citizen, whether he has a green card. They carefully avoided saying anything other than that he's a resident, which proves zero about his actual status. Now, again, there are so exceedingly many of these cases. This is a crime that happens every single solitary day in this great nation, the U.S. of A. Every single day. It doesn't take a holiday for Christmas. As I mentioned before about this woman that was raped and murdered in downtown Washington, D.C., not in inner city Washington, D.C., downtown Washington, D.C., several blocks from the Capitol on Christmas Eve day or Christmas day. I don't recall which. I believe it was Christmas Eve day. But... The reason I bring this up is, one, to give vivid 
support for why the girls and young women and women in this nation need to exercise some caution. Not to behave foolishly. Not to behave the way that the good old George W. Bush administration encouraged everyone to behave. Well, yes, there have been these terrible, evil Islamist attacks committed by this tiny, tiny splinter faction group of Islam that is perverting Islam and has hijacked Islam, according to Condoleezza Rice. Donald Rumsfeld, Dick Cheney, George W., and the rest, instead of what it truly is. So I'm digressing now. Instead of the fact that, yes, those that are committing the acts are a minority of Islam, of Muslims, the same way that Hitler's SS was a minority of Nazis. Yes, the Islamist terrorists are a minority of Muslims. However, a couple key points to note and to keep in mind are these. First, they are acting directly in accord with the founder of Islam, with the author of Islam, Muhammad. And his God, Allah, who is Satan. They are acting exactly in accord. And in fact, not committing nearly as great a reign of terror as their founding father, Muhammad, did. Secondly, they are supported by not a tiny minority, but a great many Muslims, whether it is a distinct majority or merely half remains to be seen. The claims that Islamist terror is an aberration, an anomaly, and diametrically contrary to the true spirit of Islam, is a satanic lie that has been propagated not only by the Barack Hussein Obamas of this world and the Hillary Rodham Clintons, but the George W. Bushes and Condoleezza Rices and Susan Rices. But, what did George W. and his administration instruct everybody to do, along with, you know, the others like Rudy Giuliani and so on and so forth, was, well, we can't allow the evil ones to win. If we change how we live, they've won. If we don't go as shopping as often as we would, if we don't go to the football games of the leftist NFL, if we don't go on vacations, if we don't fly to Disney World, if we don't fly to Paris 
or to Hawaii or to Australia, if we don't go about our lives as carelessly and carefree from any consciousness of the bloodthirsty, premeditated terrorist excuse of a war that's being waged against us, then they win. They win. So therefore, we have to go on with our lives. We can't just live our lives in a bunker or something. We need to go on with our lives, which meant, and again, what they very much emphasized and have emphasized through UK, through their government and everything else, is that we have to go out and go do all of these completely discretionary things, go partying, you know, go to Times Square for New Year's. I'll digress here with another little story, a little aside, because again, it pertains to what I'm going to come to. There was a famous... I rugby player, British rugby player, if I recall correctly. He could have been a soccer player, but I mean, he's still alive and well, as far as I know, but rugby star. And he got married and he took his new bride before their marriage was consummated. But of course, they were probably living together for who knows how long before they got married. Did anything as, you know, uh, formal as that. But They went to this nation there off the coast of Africa, off the east coast of Africa. A place that is considered to be safe, a place that is a tourist haven. And they went to an extremely expensive high-end hotel and had a honeymoon suite up top. And they went up to their room and they dropped off their bags and then they leave their room and they're going to go somewhere. And then she remembers something. I forgot something. I need to go get it. Did her wonderful, caring, protective, wise husband deign to Go along with her. Heavens, no. No, just run along. Go get that. Fine, I'll be wherever here when you get back. She never made it back. She went to the room. There were three hotel employees in the room. They were robbing from them. Instead of her seeing them and fleeing, screaming, running down the hall or something like that, she actually had stepped into the room. They grabbed her. They murdered her. Oh, well, that, you know, couldn't happen anywhere else. I would mention the name of the, it's Mauritius, I believe. Mauritania, Mauritius, Mauritius. Quite sure. So it was monstrous. Utterly, totally monstrous. In that case, the motivation, there was motivation. They were stealing. They didn't want to get caught, so they butchered the young bride. It makes sense, right? These employees that were in there, undoubtedly one of them or more, had been there when the husband, when the bridegroom and bride were there as far as taking their bags up to the room, (laughs) right? But anyway, again, the new bridegroom, this big, strong bully boy, he couldn't be bothered 
to look after his bride. And you might be saying, well, you know, I mean, how could he know? That's right. Hey, I mean, he's probably going down to the bar and he's, you know, whatever. Again, living incredibly carelessly and thoughtlessly and selfishly. Why should he care about his bride? But there, this idea that we should just live without any awareness of what is in the world, whether it's Islamist terrorists or whether it's vicious thugs, whether it's serial murderers, so on and so forth. This idea is core George W. Bush philosophy. And he's not the creator of it, but he certainly is one of the proponents of it, along with his team. But so this dear young woman is gone. Well, it was an avoidable incident. There are vicious, brutal murders, kidnapping, rape, murder, crimes that are committed every day in this nation, many of which are not avoidable in the sense of preventing the attack, but which nonetheless can be defended against. If our wonderful, benevolent, beneficent government will permit young women and women to carry firearms, whether concealed or unconcealed, open carry, which I don't think is necessarily the best idea, but which is certainly preferable to not carrying, but our wonderful, beneficent, benevolent government as reflected by the wonderful National Football League leftist Roger Goodellian National Football League that believes, oh, no, it's dangerous to have firearms. Well, Goodell, you know, his papa, Charles Goodell, leftist Republican. How can you have a leftist Republican? Oh, I don't know, Nelson Rockefeller, Gerald Rudolph, King Ford, and the list goes on. But... There are a vast number of these vicious, sadistic crimes that are not avoidable. They're being committed by the Night Stalkers and these other absolute, demonic, evil, hateful destroyers that are hell-bent on destroying the Charles Mansons and so forth. The best that we can do when faced with those things is to defend against them. There are some of these things that happen that no matter how much you do in the way of taking precautions, crimes are still attempted and they need to be defended against. And women and young women, especially women and young women need a force multiplier, a firearm, and experience and knowledge training in using firearms and using it under stressful circumstances. But then there are a great many that can also be avoided, but are not avoided 
because of the because of a number of things. The sweeter, the nicer, the more trusting, the friendlier, the open, the more open that a girl or a woman is, the more that she is of the mindset that she always looks for the best in everyone. And she can't bring herself to imagine the worst of anyone. Unless that person's me, and then she, then she can. But then the more danger she's going to be in. The more trusting she is, the more naive she is, the more gullible she is, the more danger she's in, the greater jeopardy she's in. But then there are many others who, it's not that at all. Instead, they're going out and partying hardy. It's a phenomenon that did not occur amongst the majority of women back in the 1900s, 1910s, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. But it has become so commonplace for Teenage girls, young women, to go out, go out with other teenage girls, young women, and teenage boys and young men, and not so young men, go out to bars, the girls by themselves, the girls night out, go out to the bars, whether in the good part of town, supposedly, or the bad part. Drink Hardy. How many movies have you seen? Maybe you don't see any. I know for a great amount of my life I didn't watch any TV or movies. And there is benefit to that and there is also detriment to that. And detriment to that is a matter of this thing of where you see no evil. You have your head in the sand and you don't see so much of what's going on. The bad side is you can become indoctrinated and you can become oblivious and... and become less sensitive to what's wrong out there, to become desensitized, uh, uh, that the world gets into you more and more, the corrupt, perverse world. But how many times have you seen, I have seen this many times, and it's just a standard in romantic comedies, is the sweet, nice girls, they go out with some other girls, and here they are, even though... The woman is not a drinker. Here she's downing shots, shots of vodka, shots of something else, getting, drinking themselves as drunk as they can, not having one uh, Shirley Temple or a Shirley Temple that is alcoholic Shirley Temple or something like that. Oh, heavens, no. No, hand them the tequila bottle. And, And it's not just in some uproarious comedy, you know, loud, raucous comedy from... Uh, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. No, no. Or or with, uh, oh, I can't think of her name at the moment, but uh, she, if it's loud and rude and crude and obnoxious and vulgar and so forth, she's in it and doing it, starring in it, Melissa McCarthy, who is very funny, but like so many comedians and so many comics, is very, very raw and vulgar and dirty. And, but it's very frequent. They will show these things. Well, it's not, that's not an aberration. That's not a hijacking of, of the, 
of the way culture really works here in the U.S. of A., our, our corrupted culture, our subverted culture. That's not a perversion of the way things are. In fact, of, in point of fact, a great many, great many teenage girls, college girls, young women, young professionals go out partying by themselves, meeting friends, meeting strangers, dating strangers whom they don't have the faintest idea about, and drinking with them and taking them home, all these kinds of things that put themselves in unbelievable danger. Alcohol, not to mention pot and things like that, but greatly diminishes one's ability to recognize what's going on. And to be able to protect oneself. And it is one reason, one enormous reason, why girls, apart from the fact that it's illegal for girls to drink, but as it is for boys, but one huge reason why teenagers and young women and women should not drink. Oh, but that's terrible. How can you say they shouldn't drink when guys can drink? Well, I don't think guys should either. I think if the guys, especially if the guys are looking after the girls, if they're going out together, he doesn't have any business getting under the influence and being incapacitated and completely unable to protect her, which is standard operating procedure in this world. Before... I launch into the vitally important information, which again is not from my authorship, even though I have edited it. I just want to mention I'm Brad Thomas, and this dreadful, horrible program is after all is said and done. And so if you happened upon this program without having heard the introductory message and theme music, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. So, this information, which was actually, even though I have edited it, it was written by a policeman. So, and I recommend that you share it with your family, your loved ones, and so forth. And again, I do have it written down. On my on one of my websites after all is said and done dot media. Okay. Number one, and this is from Taekwondo. The elbow is the strongest point on your body. If you are close enough to use it, do so. Now, the next is learned from a tourist guide. If a robber asks for your wallet and or purse, they don't ask. Okay? I don't know what's with this policeman. They do not ask. They demand. If a robber demands your wallet, your purse, do not hand it to him or them. Toss it away from you. Throw it away from you. 
as far as you can. Chances are that he or they are more interested in your wallet or purse and their contents than in you. And they'll go for the wallet or purse. No guarantee on that because they may just come after you and then pick up your wallet or purse afterwards. But if you get this opportunity that they go for the wallet or purse, run like mad in the other direction. If they don't, Run like mad in whatever direction you can go, right? Number three, if you are ever thrown into the trunk of a car, kick out the back taillights and stick your arm out the hole that you've created by kicking out the taillights and start waving like crazy. This driver, this attacker, won't see you. Or the attackers won't see you. But everybody else will. This has saved lives. I might add with regard to that, too, is it's not entirely unheard of for a police cruiser, for a policeman in a police cruiser, to pull over a vehicle. Because they've got their lights out, their taillights out. Now, number four. Women have a tendency to get into their cars after shopping, eating, working, and just sit there. Oh, they, you know, mess around with their checkbook and making a list. And in today's world, they're on their phone. They're on their cell phone. Of course, they're on their cell phone before they get into their vehicle. Oblivious to what's around them. They're on their cell phone. They're checking for messages. They're checking for texts. They get into the vehicle and they continue to do the same. Don't do that. Don't be foolish. Don't be stupid. It is stupid behavior. The predators are watching. They're watching for this behavior. And this is the perfect opportunity for them to attack, to force their way into your vehicle, put a gun to your head, a knife to your throat. And tell you where to go. It doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes they immediately begin the attack. What can you do? Well, first of all, have your wits about you. Be aware. Watch all of the area around your vehicle. And as soon as you get into your car, lock the doors and leave. Obviously, if the vehicle won't start, you're going to have trouble leaving. Then you're probably going to want to get on your phone and make a call or two. And not only call the police, call your husband, your boyfriend, somebody to come help. But as soon as you get into your car, lock the doors 
Make sure those windows are up and leave. Now, you should have checked the interior of your car before you got into your car. Because you don't want to get into your car if some evil destroyer is waiting for you. If somebody is in the car or forces their way into the car, puts a gun to your head, a knife to your throat, demands that you go to such and such a place, just start driving and head this way, do not under any circumstances follow their orders. Do not. It'll be the last thing you do if you do. 99 times out of 100. Instead, gun the engine and speed into anything, wrecking the car. Your airbag will save you. And frankly, if the, if the collision is very short, if you're only going 10 feet before you run into something, you're not going to need the airbag to save you. Okay. But this will... <laughs> Because they're not going to be strapped in, and perhaps you're not, but you're, as driver, with the driving mechanism of the steering column and console in front of you, you should be retained within the vehicle. Hopefully, they will go out through the windshield. But in any case, then you are doing damage to the vehicle, and it makes it much more difficult for them to force you to go anywhere. And blast the horn. But do not follow their directions. If the person's in the back seat, again, they will get the worst of it. They will be airborne in all likelihood. If you get enough speed and ram into something, a wall, a telephone pole, a retaining wall, side of a building. As soon as the car crashes, if you can get out and run, do so. It's better than having them find your body in a remote location. Some years ago, a beautiful one, and I have more tips, which I'll get to, but some years ago, a beautiful, wonderful young woman, not by Hollywood standards, but beautiful nonetheless, she was going Christmas shopping. She went to, of all places, kind of the Disneyland of malls, you know, just the most idyllic place to go, Mall of America in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And this was two weeks before Christmas, and it was daytime. And Drew Shadeen went Christmas shopping by herself, and she came out into the parking lot during daylight hours. But, of course, night falls quickly at that time of year, so it might have been getting towards dusk. And she encountered a fellow who was in his 50s, fat, ugly, Vicious, packing a knife. He had just been released from a so-called mental hospital. 
where he had been incarcerated for violent crimes. And as I've mentioned in the previous program, the most vicious, the more vicious and sadistic that a murderer is, the more heinous, the more gory the crime scene is, the more terrible the injuries that the murderer inflicts on his victims in the process of murdering them, the more likely it is that they will be deemed insane or innocent by reason of mental defect and sent to a mental institution. And the average length of time for these who are deemed one of a number of things, including criminally insane, the average length of time is 500 days incarceration. 500 days. In other words, a year and a half for committing the most heinous butchery. 500 days. So then they're released because... Well, it would be wrong to keep them any longer. So he grabbed her at knife point. And, I mean, undoubtedly was able to overpower her. But her only chance at survival was to fight for her life then and there in the parking lot. Scream at the top of her lungs. Do everything in her power to inflict pain on him she could have gotten stabbed she could have gotten stabbed repeatedly but this much i know her body would not have been found elsewhere had she known a few things to do and had done them but she was a sweet darling christian young woman who, of course, couldn't think a bad thought about anybody and was not prepared to act instantly, aggressively, effectively, and fight for her life. She was a wonderful young woman whom, even though I do not know more specifics about her, she undoubtedly, undoubtedly, wouldn't have to give a moment's thought to, even in this corrupt, perverse, evil time in which we live, probably wouldn't have to give a second thought to acting to preserve and protect her virginity from some oaf or from some operator, from some wolf of a guy, some womanizer, something like that. But meanwhile... She wasn't able to defend her life and her love for her husband-to-be. And they found her a couple weeks later, as I recall. Um, I don't know if it was right after Christmas or whatever. But a wonderful young woman. One of multitudes that are slaughtered by these destroyers. Every year, 
season, month, day in this nation. Now, you could say, well, my gosh, he's just crazy. He's just out of his mind. That's just, you know. (laughs) Well, no, there are those who do these monstrous things because that is what they live for. Oh, well, they're crazy. Okay. However you want to look at it, whether you want to take a biblical perspective or whether you want to take some slop that you're fed from the national media, whether you want to believe what the psychiatrists and psychologists and sociologists and the experts happen to say, regardless, you owe it to yourself to protect yourself for yourself and for your family and loved ones. Number five, a few notes about getting into your car in a parking lot or parking garage. Be aware. Look around you. Look into your car at the passenger side floor and in the back seat. It's not always easy to do in a dimly lit parking garage. If when you, you know, you need to do this before you open the door of the vehicle. (laughs) And it's not always easy to do. And if you can't do it without opening the vehicle, open that vehicle very carefully. And for the lights to come on. If the lights don't come on, don't get in. Very importantly, if you are parked next to a big van, let's say there was nobody around you, right around you when you went into the mall, you went into the store, or there were just uh, there were some vehicles there, but now you come out and there's a great big industrial Econoline van or a Ram van or some other kind of van, whatever brand, Mercedes-Benz, it's parked right next to you. Or a club cab truck, some kind of vehicle like that next to you. On the driver's side, enter your car from the passenger door. If there's something like that on the passenger side, but not the driver's side, be sure to enter on the driver's side. Be very careful. Don't take time dawdling, putting packages here or there or whatever. Very difficult for a mother with children. Very difficult for a mother with a baby. They got occupied with putting the baby in the child seat and so on and so forth. Very difficult. And these evil ones love to prey upon mothers with babies and mothers with children and pregnant women because it makes their murderous attacks so much easier. Most serial killers attack their victims by pulling them into their vans while the women are attempting to get into their cars. Did you know that? I didn't. But most serial killers attack the women by pulling them into their vans, attack them and pull them into their vans while the women are attempting to get into their cars. Look at the car parked on the driver's side of your vehicle and the passenger side. If a male, a man, 
is sitting alone in the seat nearest to your car, immediately walk back into the mall or work and get a guard, a policeman to escort you to your vehicle. It's always better to be safe than sorry and better so-called paranoid than dead. Now this next one, take this with a grain of salt (laughs) because elevators are not necessarily safe either, but always take the elevator instead of the stairs. Stairwells are horrible places to be alone and the perfect crime spot. This is especially true at night. So always take the elevator. However, do not assume that elevators are safe. I know a case in downtown Los Angeles, a business building, a woman was attacked in the elevator at 9 a.m. in the morning, a woman lawyer. Fortunately, she made it to the next floor, help <laughs> got on, and she survived with, without any appreciable uh, damage. Seven, if the predator has a gun and you are not under their control, always run. The predator will only hit you a running target four times out of 100. And even then, it's most likely they will not hit a vital organ. Regardless, you are better off than allowing them to take you off somewhere and carve you up. Better off than allowing them to take you off somewhere and make you a sex slave, traffic you, torture you, murder you. Better off. So run. Preferably in a zigzag pattern. Number eight, nice women and nice girls are always trying to be sympathetic, to look for the best in people. It may get you raped and or murdered, so stop. Ted Bundy, the serial murderer, was comparatively good-looking, well-educated, and actually was a comparatively small, slim guy. And he always played on the sympathies of unsuspecting women and girls. He walked with a cane or a limp, and he often asked for help into his vehicle or with his vehicle, which is when he abducted his next victim, hitting them over the head with his crutch and dragging them into his vehicle. Of course, he also broke into places, like at University of Florida, where he murdered four young women, if I recall correctly, in Tallahassee. Number nine, crying baby ruse. A woman heard a crying baby on her porch, and she called the police because it was late, and she thought it was strange. The police told her, whatever you do, do not open the door. The lady then said it sounded like the baby had crawled near a window and she was worried that it would crawl to the street and get run over. The policeman said, we already have a unit on the way. Whatever you do, do not open the door. He told her that they think a serial murderer has a baby's cry recorded and uses it to coax women out of their homes, out of their apartments, thinking that someone dropped off a baby He said they have not verified it, but have had several calls by women saying that they hear babies' cries outside their doors when they're home alone at night. 
running water ruse. If you wake up in the middle of the night to hear all your taps outside running or what you think is a burst pipe, do not go out to investigate. Evil predators turn on all of your outside taps full blast so that you will go out to investigate and then they attack you. I'm obviously not going to get to anything else I wanted to talk about. But please take these tips to heart. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.